Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Ackeson Podcast. Today, we'll hear from singer-songwriter John Andrasik, better known as Five for Fighting, on his remarkable trip to Ukraine to record a music video in the middle of a war zone. As the war between Russia and Ukraine drags on, our attention span is short, but there's still much to be told. An unlikely storyteller in this conflict is singer-songwriter John Andrasik, better known as Five for Fighting, with giant hits like Superman, A Hundred Years, and so many more. Well, he really felt moved by current events to take action, and for him that meant writing about it and then figuring out a way to get into war-torn Ukraine to record his moving song with the Ukrainian orchestra. The results are an incredible video, which you can hear on Spotify or on his website and see on YouTube and on his website. I'll put a link in the description to this podcast, and I will play the song as part of the podcast. But the story of how he got into Ukraine and what he saw is so interesting. So here he is to tell it. So you have a new music video out, which is the song that we played here some months ago when you first recorded it. And my first thought when I looked at the music video was thinking of today's technology, it must have been a mix of you singing from a studio and playing from a studio mixed in with this amazing Ukrainian orchestra. And then I read that you were actually there in the war zone. Take us from the beginning and tell us how that came about. Cheryl, it actually started with Afghanistan. Um, as you know, I'd written blood on my hands about Afghanistan and <clears throat> through that I'd become acquaintances and friends and frankly embedded with some of these private groups rescuing abandoned allies and American citizens. And one of the groups I came across was a group called Save Our Allies. And we were starting to do some events for our troops, our Afghan veterans, uh, when the Ukraine war broke out. And we became friends and I was very impressed with the work they did. They, they rescued 12,000 Afghan allies in, in 10 days, started by this woman, Sarah Verado, who has a cat catastrophically injured Afghan veteran husband, a bunch of Green Berets, special forces. So when I'd written this song about Ukraine, Can Women Save the World? I had an idea. I was going on a string quartet tour and I had to arrange the music for the strings and I thought, you know, why don't I go to Poland and play this with the Polish orchestra? I'd seen the Polish orchestra doing various events that I thought were powerful. And, you know, Poland's been so amazing in this crisis, taking so many refugees. So I called one of my Save Our Allies friends who has relationships in Poland. I said, how about this idea? You know, can you reach out? Maybe we can go do this song with the orchestra, shine the light on Poland, give them a shot in the arm. And they said, OK, you know, let me let me reach out. And let me call you back. She called me back in a few days and she said, how would you like to go to Ukraine and play this with the Ukrainian orchestra? Wow. <laughs> exactly what I said. I, I was like, really? I mean, do they even exist? I mean, um, turns out the orchestra was kind of scattered across the country, but she said, I've talked to some people, they want it to happen, um, so be prepared. And I was on tour uh, with my, my quartet and it was the end of my tour and my wife was out with me because we knew I might have to go at any minute. And I got an email in my inbox with a plane ticket to Krakow. 
And uh, so we had a long talk, me and my wife that night. And the next day I played my show and headed to the airport. And uh, after a crazy journey, 48 hours later, I found myself with my Save Our Allies team in, uh, in Kyiv preparing to film this video. Can you tell me, sorry, this is like terrible to admit, I don't know too much about international geography. Is Krakow yeah. in Poland? Yeah, Krakow's so in Poland. You flew to Krakow and then just for, because it's interesting to me, how did then did you get into Ukraine? And can you just go in there as a visitor now or did you have to get some sort of a special escort and permission? We just kind of went as, you know, as ordinary American citizens. Uh, it was a bit hectic when we landed. We thought we were going to have a day or so to recover in, in Krakow, but it was really run like a military operation. It was fluid and things were changing. And we were planning on, on just driving the whole way. One of the Save Our Allies uh, folks in Kyiv was going to come get us. Uh, but there's hardly any fuel in Ukraine anymore. All the fuel is being used by the military. So we couldn't do that. So when we landed, they said, all right, we're rushing you to the, to the Ukraine border. So we hopped in a car with this guy driving like he was on the Autobahn going like 150 miles an hour. I think he wanted to get there and get out of there. So we literally drive three hours to the Ukrainian border. He pushes us out of the car. There's, we don't even know what we're doing. There's nobody speaks English and there's kind of, we see the border, but they're not allowing cars to cross. So there's this path and you like walk like 40, you know, probably about a 40 minute walk, probably a mile walk through the refugee tents. And you finally come to the border. And of course, on the other side, there's hundreds of people coming into Poland, but we were the only people going into Ukraine. And so we crossed the border. Uh, we tried to get a car that was coming. It took an hour. We went to Lviv, which is about an hour drive, and we were supposed to take a train. Luckily for us, uh, a couple of congressmen, uh, Brian Fitzpatrick and Dan Crenshaw were there. So they had a train going from Lviv to Kyiv. So we were literally running for the train and we caught the train with them. And it was it was crazy. It was hectic. It was chaotic. And, and then, you know, rolling into Kyiv, you know, as the sun came up after not sleeping for 48 hours, you know, on this train was pretty surreal. It's, it is like a time warp back then, you know, back now. I mean, you see the, the tanks and the, the wars, like a, w, a World War II war, and even the trains are like 70 years old. So you feel like you're in this time warp. And, but we got there and we made it and uh, we slept a couple hours and started figuring out how we were gonna make this video. Before we get to more on that, just curious, did they check your passports at the border? Is anybody allowed to come in as long as they do some sort of check? Yeah, you just show your passport. Um, you know, Americans are, are you know, welcomed in. Uh, certainly coming the other way, it's much more um, uh, evaluated. You know, men, Ukrainian men are not allowed to leave the country. Uh, and so going the other way, uh, it was coming back into Poland much more extensive. We, we were actually on the train and we sat there for hours. They were literally going through everybody's passport, everybody's uh, information. Um, but going into Ukraine, they're like, you know, if you're an American, come on in because they assume we're there to help. You covered a lot of ground, it sounds like. And as a reporter, one phenomenon I've noticed and been part of is when I go cover a controversy or maybe I visit Bosnia doing some reporting work, we're always pretty much taking pictures of the conflict. Understandably, that's what the news is. 
But then I've noticed sometimes a couple of blocks away, everything looks fairly normal. Like sometimes the conflicts are, are fairly isolated. And I'm wondering as you took the train or moved through Ukraine, does it look war-torn everywhere or are there pockets of it or simply just a presence so that you know what's going on or bombs falling? Can you describe yeah. some of it? Good question, yeah. In Lviv, uh, which is more in the West, you really wouldn't know there was a war going on. Um, the city was kind of bustling. There were kids out playing. We had six hours to kill, so we went to a, a, a restaurant and um, certainly with the newspapers and stuff, and that's what people are talking about. But if you didn't tell me there was a war going on, I probably wouldn't know. Um, Kiev is different. Uh, there, there's still checkpoints. There's bridges that have been blown up by the Ukrainians to prevent the Russian tanks to come in. Um, there are um, buildings that have been destroyed. Is it everywhere? No. But there's also just a weight, a weight, um, kind of an umbrella of anxiety in Kyiv, understandably. And not all the shops are open. Um, people are going about their day. You know, there are people working, there, there are people in the parks. But there's a def definitely a different weight in Kyiv that we noticed. And uh, certainly driving out to the airport where we filmed the video, we saw a lot of destruction and buildings blown up and destroyed cars and just the, the aftermath of the initial invasion. So then take us to actually making the video, you get maybe a little bit of rest and who's deciding there where you can be, where it's safe to be and where you can meet the um, members of the orchestra and, and make, and how long did it take to do the video? Good question. Well, we first had to record the orchestra um, and that was challenging because we had a four hour window and it was basically when I was landing in Krakow. So as I was landing and going to the border, we we're on the phone and on the internet trying to record this piece because we had to have it recorded to film the video. So that was the initial challenge. And when we got there, we still weren't sure where we were gonna make it. I assumed we'd be in a subway where most of these things are, are filmed because if there's an air raid, you don't have to stop. And, but when we got there, uh, we were told that it's possible that we may be able to go to this hollowed ground, this airport, the Antonov airport, where the Maria, the, the symbol of Ukrainian independence, uh, the largest cargo plane in the, in the world, was destroyed by Putin at the outset of the war. He wanted to kind of gut their will, so he destroyed their prize plane. Actually, the patch on the army, the army patch is the plane. Um, so they said we might be able to go there. And, and we were, you know, it's it's weird. It's excited's the wrong word, but but we were very hopeful because we thought that symbolism would say it all. So we actually went out there to scout the first day we were there. The orchestra was supposed to come the next day and we got to the checkpoint at the airport and we sat there for four hours one general had to sign off another general had to sign off they're like what are you doing here and i'm like this is not going to happen there's there's no way this is going to happen but we had some ukrainian locals with us and eventually we got through and we got to the airport and we saw it and we were just kind of stunned you know you're horrified but you're just blown away by the imagery um, the location, the plane, and they were taking an engine off the plane. So we were excited that this could be a very powerful video. But again, till it happens, you don't know. So we went home, we were, you know, to our hotels, planning the, sh the, the filming. 
And of course, the next morning it was pouring rain. And we're like, oh God, it's pouring rain. The orchestra is not going to play. They're not going to show up. So we got there at five in the morning, zipped right through the, the checkpoint. And we started filming the early scenes you see in the video of kind of me, um, kind of by the plane by myself, me in the rubble playing the piano. Because we weren't sure the orchestra was going to show up. We just wanted something to have something. But finally, here comes the bus and, and they're there and, and they get out and it's pouring rain. So they're under the tents. And of course, the orchestra is going to play in the rain. So I said a few words to them about why we were there to, to kind of support them and have them represent the Ukrainians and have an American kind of stand shoulder to shoulder with them, which I think they appreciated uh, all through a translator. Finally, the sky is cleared. Uh, we got the orchestra set, we were filming, and then the general showed up. And that's when it really showed me why we were there. What happened then? Well, we were filming uh, a, a scene of, you know, me playing in front of the plane with the orchestra. And I noticed out of the corner of my eye, this entourage coming military garb. And it was the general who had approved us filming there. And we spoke to a translator and, and uh, he wanted to let me know that President Zelensky personally approved this. He was grateful we were there. And then he said, let me hear it. Hmm. And you could see the orchestra kind of stand up and stiffen up. And, and uh, they were very emotional seeing him there because he's, he's kind of the face of the war on, on television and, and they have a great respect for him. So we started to play and the orchestra took flight and we're playing with passion and vigor. And then the general took his phone out and started filming. Were you and singing? I was singing, yeah. We had the music blasting and we were playing to it. So it was loud and it was echoing in this huge hangar. And there's the Maria and here's the orchestra and the, the general and his Rambo entourage. And, and he takes out his phone and, and everybody starts crying and I kind of lose it. and. So we finished the song and then at the end of the song, there was kind of this silence um, that seemed to stretch a long time. It was probably three or four seconds, but everybody kind of just stood there. And um, it was very heavy. It was very, you know, we understood. I think the American entourage understood, okay, this is, this is a powerful setting. This is a powerful moment. And these people are fighting for their survival. And, and we saw firsthand through this orchestra, their fortitude their spine, but also their compassion and their humanity. And um, that's the moment I'll always kind of take from my journey. And there are a lot of hugs and handshakes after that. Much more after a short break. In this age of a highly controlled media landscape, it's never been more important to support truly independent journalism. Go to CherylAckison.com and click the store tab for a great way to do that. We just designed some thought-provoking beach towels for summer you'll love to show off and make a statement with at the beach or the pool or hang them in your guest bathroom. They feature catchphrases like, I tested positive for critical thinking, and do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. Proceeds support independent journalism causes like the ION Awards for off-narrative accurate reporting. Visit CherylAckison.com and click the store tab. Before I continue my talk with John Andrasik, here is the song, Can One Man Save the World?
Superman, Ukrainian, I don't know. Great grandson of the Holocaust, an Eastern heart the West has lost. Nail or carry up his cross, I don't know. politics of all of this, I'd be interested to hear what you think as you follow this more closely than most. We've spent, I don't know how much money, a lot of money we've sent to Ukraine, as have yeah. other countries and more to come. 
And it's just dragged on. I mean, in the beginning, I feel like there was almost an implication of only we give a lot of money up front, they can beat the Russians and this will all be over. Have we helped? Can you, can you have a, do you have a sense of has the money helped or is it just dragging things out toward an inevitable end, which is not going to be good for the Ukrainians? Like, what is your sense having visited? No, that's a good question. Um, I think we've certainly helped, um, so especially some of the anti-aircraft, some of the long range um, artillery has helped because that's what the Russians do. They just ground and pound you. Uh, were we too late? With a lot of the aid, uh, yes. Um, is it better late than never? Yes. Um, is some of the money uh, being uh, probably not going to the right places because of corruption? Of course, in these conflicts, that always happens. Um, but I, I look at it this way, you know, being there as a student of history, like we all are, you know, I. I look at Putin and, and I, I have the sense of, you know, if we allow Putin to devour Ukraine, how are we not in the same dynamic with Poland a year from now? Uh, certainly his aggression is not going to stop there. He said he wants to reconstitute the Soviet Union. And then it's our soldiers. It's our sons and daughters on the front lines in Poland and NATO fighting a real World War III. I don't have all the answers. I think it's important that we know where the money's going as best we can. One reason Crenshaw and Fitzpatrick were there, we're, we're to focus on that. The Save Our Allies uh, group that I work with there, uh, they are kind of the last, the last distribution center. They're, they're, they go the last mile. So I see what's coming and what's going out. There's amazing humanitarian work going there. Um, but it's, is it dysfunctional to a certain degree? Of course. Uh, but I think if we just kind of throw up our hands and say, oh, it's not going to matter, um, I think uh, it's going to be much more expensive in cost and human lives. And even though the Russians to, you know, kind of have the advantage long term, Ukrainians are not supposed to be here. It was supposed to be a three-day war. And I think, I think every day they kind of stand and uh, survive, it makes it a little harder on Russia. And who knows how the geopolitical dynamics going to change. And, you know, I worry about the next domino. We talked eight months ago after Afghanistan about the Ukraine domino. And a so, lot of people thought after Afghanistan that there were going to be more to fall once we looked that week to the world population. Do you think this is part of that? I certainly don't think it gave. Putin any reason to think twice. Um, and I think the next domino is Taiwan. And I think if we just kind of do what we did, you know, put our heads in the sand, oh, you know, here's some checks, we gave some money, oh, too bad. So, you know, sorry, Ukraine. Uh, why would Xi stop going into Taiwan from going into Taiwan? Um, and then that creates a whole other dynamic. So I think this reaches way beyond Ukraine. I'm certainly not a military expert. I talk to a lot of people who give me different ideas. A lot of them do feel that the Taiwan's the next the next domino if 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 we just let Putin run rampant over Eastern Europe. But who knows? I, I certainly understand the American concern about, well, what about here? Uh, where's the money going? Um, they're all corrupt. Um, but I do think if you look larger, the larger picture, um, I think, again, allowing Putin to have free reign uh, 
could be catastrophic. And when has appeasement ever worked? What would Reagan do? You know, I think about those things. I'll be addressing some of the issues you raise a couple of weeks. I'm going to be at NATO headquarters for a pretty exclusive visit, and we'll be talking about and looking at some of those for a story for my TV show, Full Measure. Great. I wanted to also ask you, since you've been doing this type of work, I mean, you were so famous for other kinds of songs that didn't have to do with geo-global events. <laughs> yeah. Now you've done Afghanistan and Ukraine. How has your professional and how's your personal life changed in the months that you've been, or I guess it's been a year now, that you've been pursuing this sort of art? Yeah, it's um, it's certainly different. It's, it's not something I wanted to do or to take any joy in doing, writing these songs. Wish I never had to write Blood on My Hands. Um, wish I never had to write this song. Um, some people, uh, being such a tribal culture, some people are angry with me for the Afghanistan song. Some people are ha happy with me. And I think, you know, if there was a different president, the roles would probably be reversed. We're just so tribal. And this song's a little different. Um, it's interesting. There's more people on the right who are kind of miffed at me than the left. So I just write them and I don't really worry about who's gonna like them or not. I, I think they're both moral issues. Certainly there's geopolitical consequences for both, but it's been exhausting to be honest with you. I never thought I'd be in a war zone. Um, uh, I've, you know, I've had to, you know, do some deep thinking about, you know, keeping myself healthy. I've been on tour. I'm going on a six week tour Wednesday. So it's been, it's been hard, but you know, when you work and you meet these heroes, like you meet this guy Seaspray, uh, for Save Our Allies, you know, went down to Afghanistan, special forces, by himself, bought a plane ticket, 30 days, lost 30 pounds, rescued all these people, flew to Ukraine, started doing operations, drove the ambulance that rescued Benjamin Hall, the Fox News reporter who was almost killed, um, doing all this in, amazing work. And you ask him, why is he doing this? And he just looks at you and you know the answer. It's because it's the right thing to do. And so when you're around people like that, it inspires you to be a better person of yourself. I can't do what those guys do, but I can write a song and maybe shine the light where I think it belongs. So yeah, to be honest with you, it's been exhausting, but compared to the Ukrainians' plight, you know, <laughs> I got no complaints. Well, for those who haven't heard it, and even for those who have heard this song, and I hope they'll look at it again and again and watch the video now, can you give your synopsis as to why you wrote it and what the message there is? Yeah, it's really a plea, you know, to 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 the world to support Ukraine. It's it's called Can One Man Save the World? And on the surface about Zelensky, but it's really not. Um, it's about the Ukrainian people and it's about who are we as free nations? Um, are we going to allow this aggression? And are we going to allow the world to kind of tip, I would say, to a darker side? Um, certainly it's it's hard. There's a lot of things to consider, but Filming this video with the Ukrainians in front of the Maria, the symbol of their, their, their independence in that rubble and seeing their faces, I hope people see the common humanity. And, and we don't talk about it because it's not on the news, but the atrocities P Putin is committing, you know, torturing, raping, killing, bombing malls. You would think we would be up in arms and enraged by that. Um, and we should be. Unfortunately, in America, we 
tend to focus and then drift. We did that with Afghanistan and there will be consequences for that. But I think if we drift on Ukraine, the consequences could be catastrophic. So um, please watch the video, please share it. All the proceeds go to save our allies. They need every penny, whatever side of the aisle you're on, they're making you proud as an American um, for, for doing great work. And uh, that would be my, my, my ask and uh, my hope. What's the best way for people to find it and get it? Yeah, well, the, the video is on YouTube. So can one man save the world featuring the Ukrainian orchestra? You can go to fightforfighting.com, my website, it's right there. And you can, uh, it's streaming on all the Spotify's, Apple Music. So it's out there and, and we appreciate people sharing it with every share, with every stream. You're literally helping the Ukrainian people and supporting Save Our Allies. And uh, one day, I, Cheryl, I'd, I'd love to come on with some of those folks and, and have your audience meet them because they're the true heroes of this thing. Me too. John Androsik, Five for Fighting, thank you. You're an exceptional artist and I appreciate you telling us about your trip to Ukraine. Always a pleasure. Let me know uh, how it goes in, in uh, your NATO meeting. I'm, I'm interested. So thank you, Cheryl. Will do. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that if so, you'll leave a great review, subscribe to it and share it with your friends. Check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours. And now you can support independent journalism by visiting CherylAckeson.com and clicking the store tab. There are some thought-provoking and fun products designed exclusively for independent and free thinkers like you with proceeds benefiting independent reporting causes. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.